Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. Oklahoma demolishes Tulsa on Saturday by a final score of 66-17. to The Sooners move to 3-0 and to start the season. Final tune-up before conference play begins this coming Saturday in Cincinnati. If you're looking for a place to uh, criticize this team, we find ourselves basically nitpicking once again after an absolutely dominating performance by Oklahoma. Five touchdowns from Dylan Gabriel, five interceptions from the defense, over 15 tackles for loss from Oklahoma's defense. It looked, honestly, it looked like everything was in order for the Sooners on Saturday. Very business-like approach, a game that they were heavily favored to win, and they continue to win those games by the point spread in which they're heavily favored, which is... Opposite of what we have trending, even going back to Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma comes in 30-plus favorites, usually don't cover those, uh, but we're seeing them, not only are we seeing them cover, we're seeing them hit the over. Um, I'm, I'm, and I'm here in a minute, I'm going to make another comparison to 2008, but it's time to start thinking about where this offense fits in the era of the modern run-and-gun, if you will, type offenses for Oklahoma going back to 1999. 2008 pretty much was the best offense that Oklahoma has ever produced um, during the Bob Stoops era, for sure. We, we know Lincoln Riley had that Baker Mayfield year when they lost to um, Georgia in the Rose Bowl. That was a phenomenal offense. I think just through three games, I think we're starting to see some trends with this offense that they're going to be right there along with those other ones. Now, we'll jump into that here more in a minute, but if you're going to find some concerns, again, we're, we're pretty much nitpicking at this point, but if you're going to find some concerns, I think you're going to look at two things. Yeah, and we'll throw an honorable mention out to the uh, out to the uh, turnovers because they did rear up on Saturday. But you look at those turnovers, kind of extenuating circumstances for both of those. Uh, you got the the kickoff return on Jalil Farouk where he was basically stripped from behind. Uh, that that's that's a tough play for the for the uh, ball carrier. Because especially on a kickoff, your your vision is downfield. You're looking at blockers. You're looking for lanes. It was already a long kickoff. He's thinking touchdown at that point. And ball security, yep, that's an important thing. But you don't always anticipate the guy coming from behind you, particularly on kick returns. And that's what got Jaleel Farouk. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a turnover. But it's also something that that's explained, um, you know, if you wanted to th- – throw a nugget out there to, to explain that one away, you could. And, and you could also do the same with the interception that Dylan Gabriel threw because the guy's getting blasted as he's launching the ball. And, and I, I always saw it on Twitter. Um, no, it was a terrible throw. Yeah, it was a terrible throw because he was getting blasted as he threw it. I think the, the, the if you're going to make an argument against that play, 
the argument's not in the, the way the ball came out of his hand. The argument is that the ball did come out of his hand. That's one that if you're breaking that down on film, you're thinking, man, just eat that. Eat the sack. You're, you're getting chunks of yards uh, as you, basically at will against Tulsa. You, these, these guys didn't punt until garbage time late in the fourth quarter. So you're basically doing whatever you want to do against their defense. So you take the sack there. You don't even try to throw it. But if I'm going to criticize, that's the way I'm going to do it. But here's what really – I stepped away from Saturday going, I don't know about this. The first thing for me is injuries, particularly in the defensive secondary. You you were already short Desan McCullough. You were already short Justin Harrington. And you got to think that those guys are going to be back for the Cincinnati game. And that's why – Definitely for McCullough, he was dressed out. Justin Harrington was not dressed out. But you got to think that McCullough was held out specifically so that he's ready for Cincinnati and the beginning of conference play. Justin Harrington's a little bit of a different uh, story. You hope to have him back on Saturday uh, because, you know, you want the depth of that cheetah position. But then you lose Gentry Williams, who, by the way, was having a fantastic game. And he got hurt early. But think about this. He got hurt in the first half early in the game, and he finished second on the team in total tackles with six. He had one tackle for Laos, and then he had the, uh, he had the interception. So Gentry Williams in his homecoming to Tulsa was off to a fantastic start to that game uh, before going out with the injury. And now you look at the potential, at least, of being down three three significant guys in your defensive secondary and, and how you're going to replace those. Now, again, I'm hoping, you're hoping, Brent Venables is hoping, everybody's hoping that you have Desan McCullough and Justin Harrington back on Saturday. You could have Gentry Williams back on Saturday. Uh, we just don't know at this point, this early in the week, but... That at least is something worth watching and monitoring this week if you're an Oklahoma fan. The other thing uh, that really, if you're going to find a concern from this game, it's going to be the penalties. Second week in a row, Oklahoma's been racked up a lot of penalty yards. Seven penalties for 65 yards on Saturday against Tulsa. You're playing an inferior opponent. There's no need, no need at all to have that type of penalty um, yardage marked off against you. And and that's something that, you know, I, I said last week, if, if it was discipline or if it was pressure uh, with the penalties against SMU, tighter game, a, a little bit stronger of opponent than what Tulsa is. And so you can, you, you can dissect that and you think, well, it could be the pressure of the moment. It could be a discipline issue. Well, you know, time will tell. Well, time has told. It looks like it's going to be a discipline issue. Now, Oklahoma ran in a lot of guys in and out, a lot of guys in and out uh, on Saturday. But the, the consistency between week two and week three has been too many penalties. And so if you want to nitpick, and that's what we're doing, you want to find some plays, uh, some ways to criticize on Saturday's 66-17 to 17 performance, well, there's two right there the, off the top of my head. And if you, want to throw in the, if you want to throw in the turnovers, you can make that a third one. Now, let's, take, let's talk about things that went well for Oklahoma. And there's three big things that stand out for the Sooners on Saturday. In a game that you win 66-17, to 17, obviously a lot of things went right for Oklahoma. But the three things that I picked out that went the best are the... Um, the points, the picks, 
and the receiving yards. 66 points for Oklahoma on Saturday. That's uh, two times in three weeks the Sooners have exceeded. You know, the, the benchmark seems to be 65 because that's what everyone's talking about. But I think the benchmark has to be 66 because that's the lowest point total of your two big games. So in the opener and then on Saturday, you go 66 plus points. You got to go back to 1987, 1987 guys. That's the last time Oklahoma scored 65 plus points in two of its first three games, 1987, where most of the Sooner nation that's going to be at the Iowa state game uh, here in a couple weeks probably weren't born. I mean, no one in that student section would have been born in 1987. And there's going to be a lot of peoples in there. What is it? 87. You're going to be in your mid thirties um, that are be going to that game on Saturday. So you got to go way back in time, 65 points or more in two of the first three games. Um, so that's, I mean, think about this because I, I mentioned that 2008 offense that by the way, Kevin Wilson ran the current head coach of Tulsa 2008. That was Sam Bradford, uh, his Heisman trophy year. That team set offensive records Across the board, not just for the University of Oklahoma, but they set NCAA records. But that team, that 2008 team that was so spectacular, they didn't top 65 points until November. So you you had all of September, all of October. And if I remember right, I I feel like, man, I I don't even know why. This is just random stuff that gets stuck in my head. I'd have to go back and look and feel free to do it yourself if you want to. But I feel like that 2008 team may have kicked off their season like on August 30th or something like that. But the point is, you had all of August, all of September, not all of August, you had all of September, all of October, and then you get into November before you score 65 plus points in a game. That was a great offense. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in that offense. I mean, you, you sent all kinds of guys from that offense into the NFL. But they didn't score 65 plus points until November. And now Oklahoma's done it twice in the first three weeks of the season. Way too early, in my opinion. Way too early to draw a lot of comparisons for this offense to the 2008 offense. But you've got the components there. Will they have the consistency? What, I, what you don't know right now is what the running back situation is like. We're, we're going to get into that here later on in the, in the podcast. But you had established running backs from day one in 2008. We don't have that through three weeks in, in 2023. So that's one big difference. So it's, it's too early to draw a lot of comparisons, in my opinion to those two offenses. But it's not it's not too early to say that this offense looks to be pretty good. It looks to be pretty special. It looks to be like it's going to be an offense that's going to be one of the top offenses in the country and it's going to be very difficult to defend regardless of how good your defense is. And that's what you want. That's what that's what Oklahoma had. I hate to go back to this, but that's what Oklahoma had with Baker Mayfield, Lincoln Riley. That's what Oklahoma was establishing with Caleb Williams. And now you look like you're back to that spot. And that's an automatic advantage when you can do things to find success on offense, regardless of what the defensive set is, regardless of what the defensive talent level is. 
if you can find a way to be successful offensively, you're setting yourself up. So that was good. The other thing that was good for Oklahoma was the interceptions. Five interceptions. Again, you got to go back a long time. You got to go back to 2003 to find Oklahoma forcing this many turnovers, this many interceptions. And it was a, you know, it, it was a solid overall performance from the defense. It, we can find some things, some holes in that defense that Tulsa was able to exploit. But I think it goes back to what we talked about on the onset of the podcast. When you begin to look at the injury situation with this defensive secondary and the way that Brent Venables and, and Ted Roof, the way they combated that was they just dialed up the pressure. Okay, well, you're going to find holes in our secondary because we're, we're short some guys back there. Here's how we're going to counter that. We're just going to bring more pressure and make you either make a fast decision, make you eat the football, or make you run, tuck and run, and just get a minimal gain. And they started playing the odds like that, and you saw it basically, you pretty much saw it start to shut down when Oklahoma dialed up the pressure. So there are concerns because Tulsa does have talent, but shouldn't have had that many open receivers finding holes in Oklahoma's zone. But it was a temporary problem that Brent Venables and company found a fix to. So then you look at it and you go, okay, well, here's how they're going to solve that in the future. Hopefully you get healthy, but also you know you can continue to bring pressure. But when you look at the five interceptions, you look at the 15 and a half tackles for loss, you look at Danny Stutzman returning the interception, I think it was 30 yards for a score. This is a this is like we said with the offense, you gotta start looking at the results through three weeks and you see consistency with this defense. Even last year, you know, that was not a great defense, but you can tell early on, man, they, they, this is where the defense is gonna struggle. And I think we're we're so shell-shocked when it comes to Oklahoma football particularly with the defensive side after going through the Alex Grinch years, after going through the first year of Brent Venables, we're so shell-shocked that we have to find something to criticize with the defense. But through three weeks, it's becoming incredibly hard to do that. Now, there's going to be times where this defense gets burnt for points. We saw that again on Saturday. It's going to come in more crucial moments of more crucial games. But you're seeing a lot of consistency with the offense. Opened it up against Arkansas State. Played it more efficient and tight to the vest against SMU. Opened it back up against Tulsa. The offense was great. You saw dominating defense the entire game against Arkansas State. You saw dominating defense for most of the game against SMU. You saw dominating defense for most of the game against Tulsa. The three consistencies are pressure, I know, I know, we're going to talk about Arkansas State, and there wasn't a lot of pressure, but we've explained that and talked about it and talked about it, and I think after you see the pressure against SMU and the pressure against Tulsa, you can pretty much write that off as them being a max protect and Oklahoma choosing not to bring the pressure because they didn't need to. But you see turnovers, you see speed, you see great read and recognition from the front seven. Again, you know, we, we bought in for three weeks last year, and then that Kansas State game and just just kind of brought the house down. So we are walking forward with this defense going, man, they look really good, but we're cautiously optimistic about them. I think it's the best way to describe us right now. But there's three things that went great for this team, and, and the way the defense played with the five, the five turnovers, 
I mean, even if you didn't have the five turnovers, I think you would say 15 and a half tackles for loss was pretty good for this defense. So you got the you got the 66 points, you got the the five interceptions. And then here's the third thing I think you look at with the with the offense again, the the went great for Oklahoma. Three receivers with 100 plus yards. Jalil Farouk 126, Nick Nick Anderson 120, Andrew Anthony 112. First time since 2012, Landry Jones and company. First time since 2012, Oklahoma's placed three receivers with 100 plus yards and in, in catches. And this is the Jalil Farouk that I had been hoping to see for three weeks. I've been begging to see this version of Jalil Farouk. You know Andrew Anthony, he's the guy that's going to stretch the field, and they did that from the get-go, just like they did against Arkansas State. But what I expected to happen against Arkansas State, what I expected to happen against SMU with Jalil Farouk is actually what happened on Saturday in Tulsa. When you go, you go deep with Andrew Anthony and then the defensive coordinator for the other team's like, ah, oh, crap. How are we going to do this? Now Jalil Farouk is open to have a, a day like what he had on Saturday. I would hope this is what we see come moving forward because it's going to be a stretch on defenses. It's going to be very difficult to defend this receiver group. And you got guys out there. I mean, we talked about the three that, that hit 100 yards plus. By the way, Nick Anderson, how bright is his future? But then that doesn't even take into account guys like Drake Stoops, who came, silently had a, a fantastic game, but doesn't get the talk like what we're mentioning now because of what Jalil Farouk and what Nick Anderson and what uh, Andrew Anthony did. But there it is. There's a couple of things to be criti- uh, to criticize from Oklahoma's performance. There's a, a few things in there that went really, really well. Uh, we're going to break down. We need. To, I, w- I want to talk to you about Dylan Gabriel for just a minute. Uh, the running backs, we got to talk about that. And then we got to talk about the things that we talked about leading up to the game. This is a Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and being a part of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld. Happy to have you along for the ride, be it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, the entire podcast, or if you're a regular subscriber. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of what we do. I want to remind you, you can always participate in the podcast by hitting us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. At Sports Heartland on Twitter, you can find us online, heartland-sports.com. We have a dedicated page specifically to the podcast each week. Uh, And then there's also the old-fashioned email, heartland-sports at yahoo.com. Let's talk about Dylan Gabriel for just a little bit. Dylan Gabriel 
is easy uh, the whipping boy for Oklahoma fans. Um, he's the guy that uh, that we put a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Probably don't give him enough credit uh, when things go well for him, and don't give him. Um, well, we give him probably too much criticism when things don't go well for the offense. But Dylan Gabriel was was smooth on Saturday and really smooth for the third week in a row. He completed, what was it, 90% of his passes on Saturday, 421 yards, five touchdowns. For the season, that gives him a completion percentage of 825 905 yards through three games, 11 touchdowns to just the one interception that we talked about on the first segment of this podcast today. Um, Look, man, he's the model of efficiency for Oklahoma for this offense right now. And I know there's a lot of love in there for Jackson Arnold, and the future's bright. The future's bright with Jackson Arnold. Look at that dime he threw to Nick Anderson. That's 50-yard touchdown pass on a rope on the spot. That's going to be a fun duel in the future but when we're talking about the president, I don't think you can escape the fact that Dylan Gabriel's the guy for this offense in this moment, in this time. He's number 15 nationally in passing yards. He's tied at number four nationally for touchdowns. And he's number two in efficiency. The only quarterback who's been more efficient than Dylan Gabriel this season so far through three games, uh, yeah, it's Caleb Williams. And, and I think there lies the rub when we talk about Dylan Gabriel, I, I've always said this. I've said it from day one. The biggest problem with Dylan Gabriel that we have as a fan base is that he's not Caleb Williams. We had all bought in full lock, stock, and barrel. We were all in on Caleb Williams. And then Caleb Williams went out to Southern Cal, and you get a guy in that's uh, played at a lower level, played at F, uh, you know, didn't play in the FBS. Can he, can he translate his game to this level? It was a bad team last year with a terrible defense, but the offense, we I mean, if you go back and look, the statistics don't lie. The offense wasn't the problem in 2022. Yeah, there were moments when the offense stalled out. There were moments when fourth down didn't go well, third down didn't go well because of the pressure to make those plays because you know your defense isn't stopping the opponent. But at the end of the day, the offense was, was not the issue last year. Uh, and you saw the value of Dylan Gabriel in that Texas game. I mean, how how much more are we going to have to hear 49 to nothing? Because I promise you, Oklahoma goes out and wins the Red River rivalry. They go out and win that game next month. You're still going to hear 49 to nothing from Texas fans. That's going to that's going to stick for a while. But that showed you the value of Dylan Gabriel. This offense doesn't work without him. Now, depth has helped Oklahoma this year. Depth on the offensive line, depth at the skill positions, depth at, you know, at quarterback. Because if Dylan Gabriel does go down, you have an option there with Jackson Arnold. So I, I did find it interesting that we didn't see General Booty on Saturday. It's a game that he easily could have played, especially that last series, just to come in and take a knee. I, I think it just sets the precedent that that it is one and two, and then there's a far, far chasm, far gap, or whatever you want to use, between two and three, which is general booty at this point. But I just I feel like we, we beat up on Dylan Gabriel a lot. And so you gotta I, I think to be fair, you gotta step back and say, through three games. 
absolutely he's been the model of efficiency for this offense, and absolutely he's been the answer. Now, speaking of answers, here's my question that I don't even I don't even know if it's a question anymore. I think I'm just at the point where I'm just giving up, and that is trying to figure out the running back situation for Oklahoma. I had, if you listen to the pregame podcast for Tulsa, I'd bought in. I was like, Tawi Walker, that's our guy. I'm it, Tawi Walker. He's leading the team in rushing yards, leading, leading the team in yards per carry, leading the team in rushing touchdowns. So this is our guy. Let's hit your wagons to him, as Toby Rowland would say, and let's ride this guy through the season. I was all in, 100% in, coming into this Tulsa game. Tommy Walker didn't touch the ball on Saturday. The steady had Javante Barnes, 13 carries, 68 yards. Gavin Salchuk, 9 carries, 25 yards. Even Dylan Smothers carried the ball twice as a true freshman. 2 carries, 20 yards. Tommy Walker? Nope. Was he injured? Nope. Did he play? Yep. Did he touch the ball? No. So I don't know, man. So I I don't... I've, I've given up trying to figure it out because I think it's... We're in one or two spots. The first spot is it's legitimately the way you practice that week gets you ready for the game. So whoever has the best practice in the game plan, the blocking schemes, the running of the offense, whoever has the best practice, that's the guy who's going to get the carries in the game. That's one option. The other option is going to be like I'm just behind in my timeline. Because I said last week with SMU, that's when you get to see this move transition from Marcus Major, Tawi Walker into Gavin Salchuk, Javante Barnes. So I could have been a week behind on the timeline. Or it could just be completely random where DeMarco Murray throws a dart at a dartboard and whoever it lands on, that's who's going to go out there on Saturday. At the end of the day... The Sooners are finding success in running the football. I just they're doing different using different guys to do it, and I don't know if we can try to figure it out. If you look at the season stats, Tawi Walker's still your guy. I mean, he didn't touch the ball on Saturday, but he still leads the team in yards, 161. Leads the team in, in number of carries at 29. Leads the team in yards per carry at 5.6. Javante Barnes has jumped up into second place on the team after Saturday. He 28 carries on the season, 122 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Then you got Marcus Major with 17 carries, 70 yards. Gavin Salchuk has finally reached double digits, 10 carries, 26 yards. So I mean, it's it's you figure it out. You can you can explain it to me. I I but I'm I'm to the point where let's just see what happens on Saturday. Let's see who goes out there because I don't know. If you know, if Jeff Levy knows, if DeMarco Murray knows, I don't even know if the running backs know. But the point is, Toby Walker's been pretty impressive through what we've seen in the two games he played. Well, the two games where he carried the ball. And Javante Barnes looked pretty pretty good last Saturday against Tulsa. Gavin Salchuk seems to be still a little bit slower than what we saw in the in the bowl game against Florida State. So maybe it's just, again, nursing those guys along, getting them ready for conference play. But um, I I think if we see this trend again on Saturday against Cincinnati of having Salchuk and Barnes as the the, the top two guys, then you know they've just made that transition. 
But it could easily be Tommy Walker going out there and getting 20 carries against the Bearcats on Saturday. Time will tell. Let's talk about the things that we talked about pregame. All right, so let's shut down this episode by talking about the things that we talked about going into the Tulsa game on Saturday. We, uh, we mentioned several key players heading into that game. Some of them we've already addressed here in this episode of the podcast. We already talked about Dylan Gabriel's performance. We already talked about Tawi Walker's performance. Those were two guys I had pegged, the guys to keep an eye on. Andrew Anthony, we, we mentioned him. We didn't talk enough about the significance of what he does. Four catches, 112 yards, and he's just a guy who stretches the field. And, and you're going to have to pick your poison. We've said this, and we'll probably continue to say this. You're going to have to pick your poison when it comes to Andrew Anthony because of what he does speed-wise. And, and I can't wait to see what happens with Brennan Thompson uh, because Brennan Thompson is a smaller version of Andrew Anthony. He's got a smaller frame, but he's got the same type of speed. And if you can run those guys on verticals on both sides, or even the same side of the field, you can do so much with those guys uh, based on when Brennan Thompson is able to get healthy and get out on the field with this team. But Andrew Anthony, four catches, 12, 112 yards. And again, he, he just, he does it all. He, he He's the guy that they want the ball in his hands. And you see, You've seen him used in two different capacities. You saw him stretch the field against Arkansas State. You saw him stretch the field against Tulsa. And then you saw him use mid-range and underneath routes uh, last week against SMU. So they're going to continue to be creative with him. I think he's going to continue to be the key guy uh, within this offense. I don't know that he's going to be the guy who leads the team and the number, volume of receptions um, like he did last week against SMU. But I think he's going to be a guy, when you talk about yards per catch and total yards, he's certainly going to be there at the top of Oklahoma's list. Uh, Two other guys we mentioned defensively, Danny Stutzman uh, running this offense. Tulsa, Tulsa, their strength is the run game. It it was coming in, and, and that's why we pegged two linebackers as our defensive guys to watch. And it's, it should be noted that Oklahoma held Tulsa to less than a yard and a half per carry average on Saturday. That's dang impressive. When you're, when you're talking about a team that, that has the strength of what they are offensively and defensively, you always want to take away the strength of your opponent. And Oklahoma absolutely did that. And Danny Stutzman was, was a key cog in that. So was Jaron Koenig. Those are the two guys that we mentioned, but Danny Stutzman, nine tackles, two tackles for loss. Of course, again, the big, the big pick six that he had um, early in the first, early in the game there in the first quarter, just kind of Oklahoma came out and threw a bang load of haymakers and Tulsa was pretty much punch drunk the rest of the way from there. Jaron Kanick, uh, three tackles, two of his three tackles were for loss. So a good day. Uh, I think it's five tackles, not three though, for, for Kanick, five tackles. And then two of those five, were for loss. So good day for Oklahoma on both sides of the ball. Interesting to note special teams. The biggest play that Oklahoma made on special teams was negated by Jalil Farouk's fumble. We've we've talked about um, on the podcast and, and on, on the website, we've talked about how special teams is once again a factor for this Oklahoma football program. 
Um, and right out of the gate, you, you had a huge special teams play with that opening kickoff return by Jaleel Farouk, putting you in plus territory, way inside plus territory. But then you can't really talk about it because he fumbled the ball and Tulsa ended up with possession there right at the onset of the game. But you see the effectiveness of what this special teams unit could be. Uh, you've seen him with uh, field goals have been solid. You've seen him on punt return. You've seen him blocking punts. Uh, and you almost got to see what they can look like in kickoff return. Uh, but, uh, you know, alas, you got the fumble there that negates that. So those are the players that uh, that I said to keep an eye on coming into this game and how they did. And then we also had five predictions. Now, I didn't get to do the five predictions ahead of the SMU game just because of time and schedule and all that stuff. But I went back to it this week, five predictions for the Tulsa game. Um and let's see how we did. Uh, the number one prediction I made, well, we lost it on the opening kickoff, is that OU won't turn the ball over. Of course, Jalil Farouk, the very first play of the game, turns the ball over. Dylan Gabriel has the interception later on. So two turnovers for Oklahoma. We are 0 for 1 on predictions for this game. But then it gets better for us. Uh, defense will record multiple quarterback sacks in the game. Uh, they had three. Uh, they had you know three sacks on Saturday. You had two sacks coming in, so you more than doubled uh, your sack production. You got up to five sacks uh, through three games now for Oklahoma, but three against Tulsa quarterbacks on Saturday. Um, Tawi Walker again. We've talked about him. Uh, Tawi Walker will have a hundred plus yards on the ground. I bought in. Like I said, I fully bought in on Tawi Walker. Um, and now I don't know. I'm just I'm just at a loss, drifting out in the Sooner Sea because I don't know what happens to this running back room. I don't know who's going to come out uh, in in Cincinnati on Saturday and take that first carry. I do. I, I, it should be noted as a team, Oklahoma ran for 119 yards, so probably not the greatest overall rushing performance. And and what I was curious about with with this meeting, and and Jeff Lebby just chose to take what was given to him. I was curious as how much they would challenge a Tulsa defense that was kind of stingy uh, against the run coming into this game. Um, and but there the um, you know what I said was they were stingy, giving up just over a hundred yards per game to their opponents. But then you look at Washington. Washington averaged over five yards per carry against Tulsa. And so you think it's it's not that they can't run against them. It's that the opponents choose not to run against them because it's so easy to pass. They're just so feeble in their defensive secondary. And so I kind of thought that maybe OU would challenge them more than they did uh, on the ground. But, I mean, for what it was, they, they, did, they did mildly decent. Um, you know, we, we talked about Javante Barnes averaging 5.2 yards per carry against the Tulsa defense, but he only got 13 carries. So uh, that's one and two on my on three predictions so far. Uh, but then it went all well, all well for us after that. Defense will nab at least two interceptions was one of my predictions. They got five. One of them went back for a score. And then I had Dylan Gabriel would pass for over 300 yards after being held to less than 200 uh, against SMU. Obviously, you saw the results there. 421 yards, five touchdowns for Dylan Gabriel. So, and all, 3-0 and on the season, getting ready for conference play uh, against SMU. Moving up just a little bit in the polls, I think is number 16 uh, in the AP for Oklahoma. I haven't really had a chance to jump in and to dissect all that just yet. But now we get to turn the page. Uh, Tulsa is in the books. The books are closed. 
uh, Cincinnati's on the horizon. So you can check us out every day, heartland-sports.com. Uh, you can get it on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Uh, thanks so much for, for tuning into the podcast. If you like it, subscribe. Uh, wherever you get podcasts, that's where we are. Uh, if you don't like it, thanks for hanging and checking it out. Uh, and we know there's a lot of good options out there. So thanks for giving us a try. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Well, we'll talk to you later on about Cincinnati. See you later.